Last time on Montreal Sauce. My nieces and nephews look at me like the cool Uncle Andy because he's an actor. And I'm like, yeah, if you were my age, you would just feel sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I shamelessly promoted our, uh, our, our little podcast using the fact that you were in a major motion picture that filmed in Chicago. Um, and, uh, Honestly, I thought I should probably apologize you for, to you first because um, <laughs> when uh, when I ran into you at Richard's retirement at the at the theater and you told me you were in a very big film but you couldn't tell me anything about it. Oh, was, that was during that time, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, you know what? Andy loves to like just see how long he can like. <laughs> mess with someone i remember this from back in the day and i was just waiting for like the shit-eating grin to pop up and it never did and i was like you know and then you know if i run well, it kind of did i was only in that thing for like seven seconds so <laughs> and then i uh and then i um I'm like, you know, if I run into Andy again, he's going to be like, oh, they totally cut my scene. It's probably going to be in the DVD extras. I, I swear, dude, I'm like still doing the joke. And I was like, whatever. And then here I am in the theater watching the like the dark night. And I was like, what the hell? That's Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I tried to act, though, they cut away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, that was a cool, really cool experience, man. Um, you know, I wish I had it back with the experience that I have now, but, you know, what don't you walk away from saying, I could have done that better, but, I mean, I'm an actor. I can screw in light bulbs better than anybody else. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, a, you know, that was also kind of a, a real big gut punch, too, you know, because there was a long time after – you know, there was just like a bunch of stuff that, that happened, you know, with the handling of, you know, the reels and having to wait a year for it to come out. You know, there was a lot of buzz around it where I felt like, you know, my parachute is full of wind. Let's go. And it was just like, you know, no, Andy, you're still paying your dues because I got caught uh, off guard, sent to an L.A. casting director that had came that had come to Chicago. So. He didn't know anybody in Chicago, and I just really lucked out with this role. And I remember going into the audition. I was reading for a cop that had seven lines, and then they gave me this character that had three lines, and I really got pissed off. <laughs> I was just like <laughs> – I was standing outside. The, the guy was like, here, memorize these lines and come back into the room and you know, then make choices, and we'll, we'll do that scene. And I was like, but you guys called me here for the cop scene. And he was like, uh, okay, you can do the cop scene. And he just totally blew me off. So I made him tape me doing the cop scene because I was like, damn it, I memorized these lines. And then he gave me these three Brian Douglas lines and I went out in the hallway and I didn't move from outside of his door. He's like, I'm going to take the other guy in and a couple other guys and then, then we'll tape you. We'll put you on tape for this character. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I remember he came out after the first guy went in and out and I was still standing at the door and he was like, all right. Are, are you ready to go? I was like, yeah, man, it's not Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, at the time I was auditioning for a movie called Rory's Kiss and that the, the person I was across from was the villain. And, you know, I was just out of grad school, got this audition, Rory's first kiss, I think it was called. And uh, then he tells me, he's like, that was great. After I do this Brian Douglas audition, he's like, that's great. Chris and Emma are going to be here next week. And I was like, 
yeah, Chris and Emma, who? And I went back and I asked my agent, and they're like, I think this is the new Batman film that's coming out. It's shooting in Chicago. And I was like, oh, really? Who are Chris and Emma? <laughs> so I went and Googled them, and I was like, holy cow, holy cow. I wonder if the villain's the Joker. And I started to get a little geeky about it, but it was a good experience, man. You know, being on a big set, it's one thing that made me realize that people working at that level are also happy when they're working because it convinced me that the nicest people are working at the highest levels, if you can believe that. Even if you've, you know, heard the videos and things like that about Christian Bale, like everybody was so nice because they're doing what they love and it was so great to be around. There's just this energy. But uh, they also made me sign one of those. you, You can't talk about it clauses and that that's what i was telling you chris at the time was like i want to tell you so bad you know i was back in muskegon but i mean the only thing i could say was that i was in the dark night and i don't know why i didn't say that maybe i was playing that little wry smile thing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so what's that like uh sort of security agreement like do they threaten your life or to steal your children or what's no the scariest thing was was and I, I don't know if this is a hundred percent accurate because you know when you read these things you're so excited so you know you interpret them quickly and then you're like what are my lines what do I do? Um, but they gave me a watermarked script and they were like you know don't lose this script and it's usually like you know a, a PA or somebody who tells you this and you know they're taking it very seriously because their job is to police the script and they're like if this thing comes up on the internet. We know it's you because it's watermarked with Brian Douglas. And I was like, uh, okay. So, and I I think I lost the script after three days. I was like, like, my career is over. It's over. I don't know what I'm going to do. They're going to find it. It's going to be on the internet. Because that was such a trip too, because I had to walk around in this like Batman outfit and they wouldn't let me put the cowl on, uh, you know, before, until I actually, you know, was shooting or something like that. And I I think I got the part because I was the exact same height as Christian Bale. And the the, the joke I made to them was (laughs) seriously, you know, what, is somebody going to mistake me for the real Batman? Are you serious? I'm like three times thicker than he is. That's my big joke is everybody's like, oh, you played Brian Douglas. I'm like, what, you mean fat man? (laughs) But that's, yeah. uh, that's it. That's um, if you, uh, you know, at some point, if you don't, uh, if you don't enjoy doing um, the carpentry or the acting anymore, you should just switch into some sort of like comic or web comic production. <laughs> you can just do Brian Douglas, Fat Man. I'm Fat Man. <laughs> you should just to be different you should take your voice up instead of down you know? <laughs> all right thanks I'll, I'll take it i'm fat man <laughs> the you thing i talk. always do there, there's a friend of mine that always laughs because nobody recognizes me in that thing so what i'll do is i'll take my my hands and put them on my cheeks and puff my face forward and be like i'm What's the difference between you and me? <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, you were in the movie. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks. So that's where Fat Man came from. I'm like, I'm Fat Man. I'm Fat Man. So uh, I was curious. Is um, So was uh, Nolan actually directing you or was it like a second assistant director or something? 
No, it was definitely Chris Nolan, man. And he, oh man, this guy is so cool. I wish he would call me up sometime and just like, hey, <laughs> do you want to have a glass of wine or mate? You know, because they were all British on that set. But uh, yeah, man, it was so cool. Like he gave, he made you feel like you know part of the cast. There was no hierarchy. And uh, I remember talking to some of the Chicago people that were working on it that were you know the grips and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, this is such a cool set. This is such a great experience. And they're like, oh, this doesn't happen all the time. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? They're like, oh, usually it's just a bunch of hen pecking. And and I was like, well, why is it different? And they, he pointed right over to Chris Nolan. He's like, he won't deal with it. He does not deal with that kind of drama. He just won't tolerate it. Everybody gets treated well. I mean, even in between takes, he and he and Emma came over and they just chatted. They were like, are you having fun? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm having the time of my life, which is the dumbest thing you can say in the moment. But, <laughs> you know, I guess the cool thing if you want to get the next job is just be like, yeah, let's go. Why, why is this taking so long? But I was, you know. I, I remember saying to him uh, when we were doing the meat locker scene, because I asked him if I could do some vocalizations, and he looked at me like I was, you know, just I, I spoke Greek to him or something. And he was like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "Can I scream here, or you know, a, at the end, like, you know, just in pain and stuff like that?" And he was like, "I don't know, try it." And when I did it, <clears throat> he came up to me right after the take, and he was like, "That was that was great." And then all of a sudden, I had three people on me, and they're moving my microphones and stuff, and I. I just felt so cool because he was like, yeah, keep that, keep that. And he was like, next time, he's like, he'd set down the camera by your legs. He's like, next time, remember, your legs are acting too. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I just got fired. <laughs> but, but that scene was the best scene for me. That was my first day on set. I think it was uh, Heat's first day on set as the Joker. And it was just, you know. And, you know, it was so cool when the, I I didn't know they were rolling when they were rolling because it just started. There was no, like, lights, oh. camera, action, yeah. you know. Everybody just did it. They were rolling the whole time because they were, you know, Heath was shooting that thing on a video camera. And uh, so it was just rolling as soon as he started the camera. And it was just, you know, I didn't know what to expect. It was my first time on a set before I did any student films or anything. Hmm. I, I mean – I think I'd only taped theater auditions up to that point, so that was really good experience, man. I remember uh, Heath. I'm sorry, I'm always talking about this stuff, but uh, or I'm getting long about it. But there was a, a point at which, like, we after the scene was shot or whatever, Heath was like, "So what? What did you think about the scene, mate?" <laughs> I was like, "Uh." I thought that was really great. I mean, you're doing some really good stuff with the with the Joker. I mean, it's really creepy. It's new, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, mate, I was talking about you. What did you think about this scene? And I was like, oh, well, I, I don't know, <laughs> honestly. And then I told him it was my first time on film, and he was like, oh, that was great. He was like, that was just really, really good scene. I was like, good. I'm glad you liked it. He was like, yeah. He's like, well, I've got to go. I've got to go take some promotional shots. <laughs> and he walks into this room with a door on it and it said, why so serious on it? Where that little swirl on that poster, uh, where he's behind a glass door, he's like behind an office door. And I got to see that door without his image on it, you know? So it was kind of cool. He was just like walking. He's like, I got to go do a photo shoot for the posters now. And I was like, wow, your life sucks. <laughs> uh, but I got to spend, you know, like an hour or so in the trailer with him too while we were getting our makeup on and stuff because they went through three or four different series of makeup and 
that's when you really feel like a specimen because you know you've got the makeup artist that's like just slashing your face to pieces and making you look so gory and uh chris nolan came in for one of the checks and he looked at my face and he looked at the uh, the makeup artist which oh, gosh i should know his name it's paul something he's a really famous makeup artist and uh he just like looked over at him and he was like that's gonna get us an x rating because <laughs> it was like <laughs> my eye was so messed up you know and i was like this is gonna be awesome man i can't wait <laughs> then i end up with like a blood dribble on my lip that you can barely see you know? <laughs> <laughs> man <laughs> but it was just kind of funny because you see these guys and they just like you're like he didn't like my work you know and it's like no he's right you know some kid's gonna look at that and be like oh my god no, not be able to sell the film to the 13 year olds, you know? But, oh yeah, for sure. By so, the way, I just, I made up everything I just said. None of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> just to save myself a little bit. So are you're currently in that play you said? Uh, yeah, it's called we three and it's at the uh, side project theater up here in Rogers park. And then uh, you recently did another, uh, was it, it was a full film, right? Not a short uh, thrill ride or night at the amusement park. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's actually still in filming. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did a throwback. We, you know, it's one of those, it's, it's called a night at the amusement park and now it's called a thrill ride. But uh, yeah. So there's this series in it where it's kind of like a flashback to the 1920s or 30s or something like that during the Capone times and uh, I play one of the characters from that and uh, and the funny thing is their casting director contacted me last week and they're like are you interested in this role in Thrill Ride with Chris Parrish and I was like why yes does it matter if I'm already in the film and the reply <laughs> was literally like yes that's a big problem sorry to waste your time oh nice like, damn it I was like, I thought I could play a modern day character and still be the throwback character. And that's, I, you know, I actually need to contact him because I think the guy made a mistake. I'm just going to go over to his house and sit on his porch. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's have a lemonade and talk about this. You should. It'd be just like uh, Noises Off where he's just like, well, they look alike because <laughs> his father yeah. traveled abroad. <laughs> Well, the thing is, the two guys I'm acting with, I saw them on Facebook, and they're like, can't wait to work with you guys again. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know? Was I too big? But Because that's the thing, being 6'1 in film, you, you find that you know, you're taller than most people in film. And I don't, I don't know if that's just me making that up, but it, it feels like that a lot. Because I stand next to a lot of lead actors, and I'm like, ooh. Or I see myself next to them. Like those 1930s cars I had to get into, I actually broke the door handle off of one with my knee because I was crunched into it so bad. (laughs) (laughs) You get in the car and it like sinks down three inches on your side and you're like, all right, this isn't fair. Who's rigging this car? (laughs) So so basically what you're saying is like you have your own set of Apple boxes that you bring with you. Like it's okay that I'm tall. The other actor can stand on this. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I have to bring a shovel because I don't want to inf- offend anybody. So if they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm digging my acting space over here. Right. <laughs> I remember being so mad. It was, uh, well, it was my second attempt at college and university <laughs> like you did. <laughs> and uh, 
I auditioned for The Hobbit and I totally wanted to be Gandalf, of course, but like yeah. I wasn't tall enough. So like at least that's what Chris tells himself to go to sleep at night. That's um, right. You weren't tall enough, man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I got to be like Goblin King and Smog. I got to be the voice of Smog. Oh, come on. You're the See, same size cool as me. Point. You're six one, aren't you? I'm just about I'm just about six foot, yeah. So okay. But yeah, so I was like, "Oh man!" But being smog was so much fun until it stopped being fun because they were like, "Chris, stop playing with the microphone." <laughs> like, during rehearsals, I was like roaring and being smog, yeah. and then saying something like, "I think I have some belly button lint." <laughs> yeah, like, that goes over well. So somebody's trying to pour their guts out, and you're like, "I think I have some belly button lint." Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Oops. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, now, since I'm out of questions, unfortunately, that means we have to go to the quiz portion of the show. <laughs> this, is, okay. this is where our guest um, usually handily defeats Paul. Um, oh, and this I don't- is not going to happen, Paul. Don't worry about it. Make <laughs> you look good, buddy. I can't remember the people I, I, I built closets for yesterday. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I was uh, researching is what I do. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I found out today is another Michigan filmmaker and actor's birthday, and that would be Sam Raimi. So happy birthday to Mr. Raimi. And uh, I decided I would ask you guys questions about Sam Raimi and his career. Um, and, of course, uh the winner of the quiz gets bragging rights and you can also choose a tattoo to tattoo on our non or our imaginary sound engineer. (laughs) Um, Poor Jim. He's got so many tats now. I know. Right. So, uh, right. I'm just going to ask you questions about, um, multiple choice questions to make it easier about Sam Raimi and uh, we'll multiple see who, yeah I'm making it easy <laughs> let's start with who's Sam Raimi I'm kidding <laughs> All right. I almost thought I yeah, should he- clarify that <laughs> so Andy I'm going to have you go first I just told you that Raimi is a Michigan guy so yep. what university did he go to A, Michigan, B, Michigan State, C, CMU, or D, Wayne State? Oh, I'm going to say CMU, man. And you would be wrong. Yeah, I figured as much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the sound effect. No problem. (laughs) All right. He actually went to state, apparently. Did he? That was my second guess. So, Paul. Yes. You have a chance here. Um, <laughs> Sam Raimi has had cameos in a number of films, but which oh one of the following films was he not acting in? A. Maniac Cop, B. The Shawshank Redemption, C. The Flintstones, or D. Spies Like Us? I don't know why, but I'm going to go with The Flintstones. And you would also be wrong. (laughs) You guys are tied at zero. Awesome. All right. Which one was it? 
He actually um, has never been in, or never will be, in the Shawshank. Oh, Shawshank. Okay. Ah, all right. He, I don't know what he was in the Flintstones, but in Spies Like Us, if you guys remember that film, he played a guard at the top secret military base, which was just a drive-in theater. And his co-guard, the other guy standing next to the fence, was Joel Cohen from Joe and Ethan Cohen. Mm. Oh, <laughs> Crazy. wow. Um, so... Andy, here we go. You can take the lead. Uh, All right. Raimi will often credit stand-ins or nameless characters in his film with what ridiculous name in the credits? A, Alan Smithy. B, dead guy number one. C, your mom. <laughs> or D, fake shrimp. Fake shemp. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say the A. Alan Smithy. Oh, no, it's fake shemp. <laughs> what? <laughs> None of this is on his IMDb page, man. What's going on here? <laughs> I know. I'm good at this. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a big Stooges fan. And uh, I guess the term, oh. the term came from uh, Shemp Howard, who uh, died when the Three Stooges were in the middle of making four shorts. And so they had to do, like, a lot of creative angles and basically someone in a wig, what they called the fake Shemp, <laughs> to finish those films. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, it's zero zero. Paul, which one of these actors who have appeared in Raimi's films attended high school with him? A. Bruce Campbell. B. J.K. Simmons or J. Joma Jameson. <laughs> C. John C. Riley or D. Francis McDormand. Uh, I've got it right here. If you need it. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I want to say John C. Riley, but I have a feeling that's wrong. I'm going to stick you, with it anyway. You're wrong. Awesome. Do you, do you want to steal? Do you want oh, to yeah. steal? <laughs> it's not fair, though, because I did get this off his IMDb page. It's Bruce <laughs> Campbell. <laughs> but also James Cameron, though, right? It says, attended uh, high school and remains close friends with producer John, or John Cameron and actor Bruce Campbell. Yeah, John Cameron. Hmm. Yeah, John Cameron. That's a little different. Um, okay, so Andy. Campbell, Bruce Campbell, who we just found out. Uh, Campbell, Ramey, and his roommate borrowed money from Campbell's dad to form Renaissance Pictures and produce his first film, The Evil Dead. Like Ramey, Renaissance Pictures has been very successful over the years. Which one of these shows were was created by the company? A, Xena, Warrior Princess, B, Doogie Howser, MD, C, MacGyver, or D, Quantum Leap? Oh, let's see. When did he graduate high school? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I know that movie. Okay, he like did 80s. Evil Dead in 81. I'm, okay, this is not on the IMDb page, but oh gosh. <laughs> through process of elimination, it's either Xena or what was the last one? Quantum uh, Leap. Quantum Leap. Uh, I want to take Quantum Leap because I love that show. I want to do Quantum Leap. Oh, you would have been right if you said Xena. Sorry. Oh, see, ah. that's on it. I went away from that because I saw that that's one of the most known for things on his IMDb. I walked away from computer so I don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an actor. We steal everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Andy has a point because he stole one from you, Paul, but you can catch him here. Well, I stole that off the IMDb page. Let's, let's stay at zero zero. That's fair. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I then cheat, we'll never, but I'm also honest, so. We'll never, we'll never have a winner at this point then. <laughs> okay, so Paul, The Evil Dead premiered in a Detroit theater that Raimi and his friends actually had to rent, um, but they did find distribution. However, he was unable to make Evil Dead 2 because he couldn't find anyone with money to uh, to help him. So even after a distribution deal, he, he couldn't get any money. Um, that is until a famous fan stepped in to get him a producer. Who was it? A, R.L. Stein, B, Clive Barker, C, Stephen King, or D, Dean Koontz? I'm going to go with Stephen King. You are right, sir. Yeah, good. <laughs> Feels good to have a lead. That's good, man. <laughs> just another man, you know, just punching actors in the face. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm going to sit here and stare at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... No, seriously, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few uh, true and false questions uh, if we want to keep going. Um, Andy, Sam Raimi's 1973 Delta 88 has appeared in more movies than he has. True or false? Oh, that's going to have to be true. It's actually false. What? <laughs> <laughs> his uh, his car has been in pretty much every movie he's uh, directed and even um, been in some um, of the Coen Brothers films, but from the count that I had on the webpage, it was about uh, 22, and he's been in like 28 films. Oh, okay, so it was close. I <laughs> yeah, say that because uh, one of my friends just did an episode of uh, Chicago PD, and he was it's it's a scene where he's getting his pinky ripped off. And he was telling me that this guy was flown in. He's a hand model uh, because he has a broken pinky from football <laughs> that was never set properly. So this guy's finger is like tweaked off to the side. And uh, so this guy's like, yeah, I've been in like 15 or 16 movies. So it's like <laughs> because of his, his broken pinky. So I was like, okay, it, it, of course, and, you know, something like that is going to beat out like an actual actor. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I went with with the car. That is an awesome story. That's funny, man. I he was like telling that. me about it. He's like, "Yeah, this guy had to stand it." <laughs> oh, I don't know. They just took a shot of his hand, and they flew him in from L.A., put him up for two nights. And why? Because he's got a jangly pinky that would make you move away from him if you sat next to him in a pizza parlor. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, "Hey, man, I'm making money with spend- this thing." He's got to spend hours in makeup next to the other hand. Yeah, exactly. The other one's getting jealous. <laughs> so, Paul, in uh, Army of Darkness, Bruce Campbell's character claims his Remington double barrel shotgun was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. True or false? Uh, false. Oh, no, that's true. Oh, my God. Of course. <laughs> All right, uh, Andy, Raimi's, Raimi's wife is the daughter of actor Lauren Green. True or false? Uh, false. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I graduated high school with a 2.2 grade average. <laughs> Just kidding. It was 1.94. <laughs> okay, Paul. So 
Sam Raimi's older brother is a part-time screenwriter collaborator uh, because his day job is actually as a rabbi. True or false? <laughs> uh, oh, what the hell? I'll go with true. <laughs> it's false. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you just like that sound effect. <laughs> He's actually a doctor in Ann Arbor. It's crazy. Hmm. He like does his shifts like he doubles them up sometimes so that then he can spend like a week in LA writing (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy that's all the questions I had so technically uh, Paul might actually have pulled a win out unless we counted the cheater point then you guys would be tied no I'll I'll give that one to him (laughs) I was going to try to steal that other one and say Xena but uh, Chris jumped in there too quickly for me to steal it too yeah, well, that was my that was my second guess. I thought you had the right strategy though, which was like, how old is he? When did the production company start? What what? Which of those shows does it actually make sense for him to have successfully produced at that point? Well, thanks, Paul. That makes me feel better, but I'm still polishing my Colt. <laughs> which is which is funny because I uh, when I found out it was Xena, I was like, okay, I need shows around the same time. So I thought I was being clever by adding those shows. <laughs> <laughs> shows how well my brain works or my memory is. Oh, man, sure. if there's something that hurts me the most in this business is not knowing names. Like, I can't recall a name to save my life. So, and, and like, knowing trivia and things like that, I'm just like, the lines are tough enough. Learning camera angles is tough enough. That's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. No, it's, uh, there's also something about in the moment, too, you know. Like, I swear I could probably tell you all sorts of nerdy stuff about some show that I like, but then once I get in front of this microphone, I'm like, what was the name of that guy? It's like <laughs> a common theme on this uh, podcast is I'm always like, you know, that one guy with, like, the middle tooth. What's his name? Then I, then I wake up in the middle of the night and I go, Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's the problem with me is I've got a bruised forehead from doing that all the time, just smacking myself in the head. <laughs> Why do you well, have a bruise? I could be a forehead double in Hollywood. There you go. We don't need a makeup artist. We'll just like cut to Andy's forehead. Just call it, cut the Andy's forehead. All right. That's that's pretty great, though, that that guy is like his whole career is based off his janky pinky because like <laughs> yeah. it, it's good to know that like Hollywood is still like smart about some things. They're like, oh, we won't fix that in post. We'll just like bring in a janky hand. Well, that's what they do, you know, in, in college when you're doing stuff, you, th- you walk away from college thinking, I'm a character actor. I can play people much older than me. And then when you get out in the film industry, you're like, oh, I don't have gray hair. Um, <laughs> I don't have to go to the bathroom every 10 seconds. They're just going to get the guy they need. Damn it. You know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for myself to turn 80. Like, All right. <laughs> that's what I used to play in college. Yeah, it's a... Uh... That's that's like one of the tougher parts is like there's always, uh, you know, you you feel like you're so well studied that you can uh, play well outside of who you might look like. But then they're just like, oh, they'll just go grab the guy. It's cool. Yeah, exactly. All this like physical preparation and stuff you do, you're like, okay, I've got, 
you know, a, a bum leg and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, we're just going to get Joe because he never had his pinky set. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great physical adjustment, though. It just doesn't look like Joe's finger. Look at Joe's finger. And everybody goes, oh! <laughs> That's the response we're looking for. <laughs> I actually, after I graduated and I, I had my degree, uh, I actually, um, Paul here actually helped me find some work, but I was doing freelance and stuff like that. And I just wasn't happy where I was and paying off my student debt and living with the folks again. And my dad was really sick at the time. And I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go to a couple auditions and maybe I can do something in the evening that I used to enjoy and maybe perk up some life here and I rolled into an audition at MCC and I wasn't the top dog anymore because I'm now like old (laughs) (laughs) but I I was told by someone I knew still knew there that they had um, you know the play they were doing I can't remember what it was because I didn't get cast Uh, (laughs) but um, they were doing a play where they needed older actors and of course, everyone who showed up at audition, there was no community members except for me. So then it became like this sort of, at least this is how I sleep at night, the the like, we can't cast like Chris as like the father of the family when like, you know, his wife is like an 18 year old girl. So then it was like, oh, come on. I'm going to work. <laughs> In my day, I had to shave the top of my head. Come on. <laughs> so yeah. So what you're saying is the you would have gotten the part and had someone else remotely your age shown up. Uh, probably not, but still, like you were just saying, like you you can't play old because they'll just find old. And I was like, I was yeah. old, and they, I was like, that's what you need. But they're like, oh, we're just gonna make these kids play old because they'll look the yeah. same. Yeah, there's a couple of audition rooms that I walk into sometimes, and I'm like, I should just leave right now. I should just leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's gosh. A- what was this commercial I did? I, I forget. It was like not a Cialis commercial, but it was something for older men. It was for, uh, what, diabetes or blood pressure medication or something like that. And I got down to, like, the last five, and that's when you get to see everybody who's in the, the callbacks, you know? <laughs> and you all know each other. But I walked into this room and there was four older men, like, you know, clearly like they were in their 60s, maybe even early 70s. And uh, they all kind of looked at me and I looked back at them and I was like, huh, guess I'm the ringer. (laughs) They all just laughed. (laughs) You look at your sheet and you see who called you in and you're like, oh, the casting director. Yep, I'm the ringer. All right. So it's between you four guys. They're like, well, make them laugh for us. Like yeah okay I will thanks nice yeah I do I do have to say one of uh, earlier you were talking about um, the ability to sort of be in the moment and not have to worry about your blocking and your lines because you've got those down and I believe it was it was you and me and Amber Waves where like you were my dad <laughs> playing the older part and. Uh, and we had like a fight on stage, and then we. Dude, couldn't I've talk. got a picture of that on my wall right now, dude. Do you really? <laughs> yeah, my dad gave me this uh, like picture collage from that that couple of years of my life in MCC theater, and that's one of the things where I'm going after you over the table. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I remember after one of those nights, one of the performance, everything just clicked. And it was like we couldn't even talk to each other in the green room because we were still like pissed at each other, even though (laughs) it's acting. I I remember like after the show, like you came up to me and you were like, we're cool, right? And I was like, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that because we got it. It was a tense one. Yeah. All right, man. It was one of those time machine. Exactly. Yeah. It was one of those things where it's like, did we cross a line somewhere? Like, were we not supposed to be acting that well? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, because we did plays for about two years there, didn't we? I mean, that's what I, I was doing plays for about two years there. And I know you were in just about everything I was in, too. So, Yeah, I probably did them longer because I didn't have a direction. Yeah, so you were. <laughs> so, yeah, you, I, didn't, you didn't have a direction at all. I remember wondering about you, man. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I was too busy. I was in the basement burning eggs and stuff like that, thinking I was going to be a chef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I just remember that's like one of the best memories of uh, theater. It was like, wow, we, we really had something going there because we couldn't even look at each other later. Yeah, that was what Amber Waves was the name of that play, right? Yes. Yeah. I couldn't tell you anything about it, but that's those two things that we had a fight scene in it. Oh, who was the actress that was in that? Because she was really good, man. Lisa Novak. Yeah, Novak or Novak. Yes, yeah. But she was like the big, like I mean, she was in everything. She was great, man. She was somebody that intimidated me. I knew if we were going to play with her, that we were doing something okay. Yes, yes, she was very intimidating. I agree. Yeah, she was just good, man. She loved it. But she also worked in uh, Grand Rapids quite a bit, too. Like, she did yeah. a lot of their, I want to say Van Andel or something like that. In their theater, but... Yeah, yeah. the funny thing is, man, is I still have, like, you know... you know, I, I feel like someday that I, I hope I hit a certain amount of status or whatever that when I'm older I can come back and do something at the Frontal, where people... Because, you know, Muskegon's kind of like a hometown you know, crew where if anybody from there comes back and does everything, you know, you're going to fill the house and it's like, you could do anything. You can tell terrible jokes and they're still going to laugh and love you. So <laughs> at least that's what I dream about. <laughs> that's my big dream. At the, at the end of my career, I want to fill a 300 feet seat theater one night. <laughs> that's actually my first exposure to like uh big time quote unquote stars was uh when I don't even remember who the local connection was, but someone had like a local connection to Muskegon and they started the Cherry County Playhouse. Right. And they brought in, um, they did a bunch of plays and they brought in like uh, Don Knotts and... Dick Van Dyke, I think it was, for uh, Brigadoon. Yeah. Uh, one of the Van Dyke guys. It wasn't Dick Van Dyke. was <laughs> But uh, everybody I knew was working for that company or backstage, and and I, I already had a summer job or a job I'd been working at for a while, so I didn't take any offers, even though my friends were like, "You got to do it." So basically, I hung out backstage like after work, and uh, it was like kind of my first exposure. But like everyone, like you said, was just like so nice and just so normal. It wasn't like here's my bodyguard and that kind of stuff. That oh yeah. I've never felt like I, I don't really think I like ever sort of like geek out around like celebs or 
popular figures just because I'm like, they're just regular people and you just have to treat them that way. Like, Yeah. And they're also in their, their, you know, their area of comfort, you know, their comfort zone is being in the, in the green room, basically. I mean, cause how many hours do you spend back there versus how much time you spend on stage? And, you know, I, I had that experience at Steppenwolf and, you know, any other theaters that I, I've worked at around town. And it's like, when you're backstage, you, you see a famous person and you're just like, yeah, okay. You might the first day be a little deep. You're just like, oh, wow, that's so cool. They're here. But you're just like, uh, what was it? Gary Sinise. I almost ran him over. And it was, uh, <laughs> I came out of my dressing room and his daughter and his wife was in a play that I was understudying. And, you know, it was like in between scenes or whatever. And he had just stopped in to let his you know, wife and child know that, hey, I'm here. And I'm going to come see the show tomorrow. And I, I came barreling out of the dressing room and I ran into him. And I was like, oh, excuse me. And I heard, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I looked down and I just gave him that look like, oh, shit, it's Gary Sinise. And he just kind of looked at me like, all right, don't be a dick. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I was like, see you later, man. And just went the other way, you know. But, you know, several other times I saw him there. And, but. But yeah, it's like you're saying, it's, if you don't get geeked out and tense around them, they don't eat either, so. Yeah. And I'm hanging out with celebrities all the time, so. <laughs> not, not a big deal anymore. Remember the yeah. first time it happened last week? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do remember one of the things that totally blew my mind was uh, that, I don't know how many years ago Cherry County was, but that was... Jeez, probably like in the 90s still, but um, Don Knotts was uh, backstage and he was using a walker, but then like he was in Last of the Red Hot Lovers on stage and he didn't have a walker. It was just like, you know, uh, that was his life. Like all of his energy went out on stage, right? <laughs> Dude, that is a, that's a performer for you too. And back in the, I mean, those old school guys that are like studio trained where they, you know, even Clint Eastwood, you know, they they, I watch these documentaries where it talks about their training and stuff where they got picked up by the studio. You know, they, they were fed by the studio. They had to go to dance class in the morning. They had to go to diction class in the afternoon, you know, and then acting class. And it's just like, uh, you know, talk about triple threats. I mean, there were so many of them back then. And yeah. Those guys yeah. are such great performers. But yeah, you see them, they gave their, they gave their life to the stage. So like, man, oh, man. Yeah, the studio system is quite interesting when you look at it. I know um, I just uh, – I keep talking about it every time we do a podcast, but uh, um, I've been listening to Gilbert Godfrey's podcast and he's like a huge like old school movie and comedian fan. And so he brings on people from that era and uh, he was talking to the host from um, – T, uh, TCM Turner Classic Movies <clears throat> Robert uh, I don't know his last name I'm horrible uh, but he he actually um, was sort of kind of mentored in a program like that by Lucille Ball who actually was one of those like studio people who she went to school on the lot and it was like acting all day and they fed her just like you said and she liked that program so much that when you know she like started her own studio. Like she started that program again. And then this uh, guy who's now a host on TCM went through that program and kind of like you said, it was just like 
there was like so much talent like bubbling out of there. He just like knew he did not have like half the talent these people did. Yeah. But he just That's one of the reasons why I can't watch Singing in the Rain because I, whenever I see that I'm just like wow, I I, I shouldn't be an actor <laughs> because I the, the lead in that I, I can't remember what his name is but he can dance, he can sing and he's a good actor too and I was like, "Oh my god." Glad I'm not auditioning against him. Yeah, I. It's hard that with Hollywood today, right? Because we have like stand-ins and voices that uh, we dub over. But it's always terrifying to me when I do see something like, and I realize like you know, there's just this guy who does like a bit part on The Walking Dead or something like that, and then you see him like in a musical, and you're like what the hell? Like he's a triple threat. Like, and he's, yeah. Oh my God, I could never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is the story, man. Have you, have you done a lot of musicals or no? No, no. I've actually, you know, I, I'm just not comfortable singing on, on stage. The only musical I've ever done was Snoopy in high school. And I, <laughs> I played Snoopy and I was terrible at it. If anybody ever gets a hold of those videos, I'm going to kill the guy who has them. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, what was the other one? Oh, I did uh, Hair at uh, MCC. Oh, right. Yeah, that was the last musical I did. And that's because, like, during the audition, I think when I sang, and they just gave me, like, speaking part in that one. I remember, (laughs) like, making their eyes water. And that's really hard to do. <laughs> a dog can't do that when he's listening to a fire siren, you know. <laughs> and and the, the worst part was thinking that I actually did a decent job. But, yeah, I, I get really nervous. I've auditioned for a few musicals. Like I just got uh, – there's this new theater group here at Equity Theater in Chicago. They asked me to come do a speaking role for a musical. And I won't even do that <laughs> because – I'm like, you have to talk in a rhythm. I, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if the music stops and you want me to say a line or two, I can do that. But No, 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 you don't understand. You're playing William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have to talk in a rhythm. Yeah, well, he's kind of got a rhythm. <laughs> he's got his own rhythm. It's not <laughs> the rhythm that maestro. the music is playing, but he's got a rhythm. Yeah, well, they put a maestro behind him, you know, somebody who's just a genius at, you know, music and make him look good. <laughs> but, oh, well, what can you do? Yeah. No, that's why I have my day job. I do the construction and then uh, I can stick stick with stuff that are, you know, I'm comfortable with straight theater and, and comedy. That's good enough for me. Yeah, how's the, uh, that's really cool that you're, I kind of assumed that, or maybe I read it somewhere else that you probably employed other actors, but that's a really slick way to do it, I think. Yeah, well, they take direction well. <laughs> and that was, you know, I've tried to work with you know some trades guys, and you know, it's it's when you're selling stuff, you know, fixing somebody's house, you're selling them a product, and a finished product is you know what you're selling them. And everybody has their different way to achieve that. And it's just, you know, I, I just find find guys with no skills that can be taught. You know, basically guys with master's degrees. <laughs> and then, you know, put a, put a spackling knife in their hand and 
their genius in a couple of weeks, you know. But uh, it also feels good because, you know, you know, when they get to be my age, you know, they're all in their 20s now or early 30s, and they get to be my age and they start asking the question like, oh, I'm in this for the long haul or I'm not in this for the long haul. And they'll have another skill because a lot of kids come out of school and the only degree they have is a bachelor's in theater. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? You know, get a job at, you know, at Subway or, you know, what are you going to do? So, I mean, I, I just imagined, uh, <clears throat> I just imagined, you know, like that's a thing for, you know, athletes as well. Like you have like four good years, maybe if you're lucky in professional sports and then, your only other option is commentary. So then I was like, I just imagine like older actors doing commentary during plays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he dropped that line. I can't believe. Oh, I remember when Gene Wilder did this role. <laughs> <laughs> this Stanley was far less aggressive. <laughs> That needs to be a thing now. I think that's your your new uh, theater thing is theater commentary. Yeah, just have us like in the quiet room with kids screaming next to us while we're commenting on the performance. It should oh, be yes. like it should be performances that like, you know, there's so many theater companies who especially like maybe smaller theaters like Muskegon for instance where it's like as much as we want to do fun stuff, we also need to turn a profit to keep the company going. So we're going to do Oklahoma for the 60th time. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have to do commentary for like one of those shows that like oh everyone already, God. everyone knows the lines for and everything. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yes, our sister reprised this role last year. <laughs> I understand they're not talking anymore. I saw them in the restaurant yesterday. <laughs> and she wouldn't eat her cake on her sister's birthday. Hmm. Oh, yeah. You have to have that one biting commentary guy, right? Who's just like, yeah. ooh, I think she's a little bit off tonight. But yeah. don't worry, folks. Tomorrow morning, she'll serve your breakfast just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I I had the opportunity to see the rehearsal three weeks ago, and they were nailing that line then, so I'm not sure what happened tonight, Bill. (laughs) I think the director got in their heads. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) And they both have to be, like, bitter actors that, like, can't get back into the theater, yet they want to. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's pretty much, like, what the gymnast commentators are, right? Like, yeah. Whenever you watch like Olympics or gymnasts or even like the uh, ice skating, the figure skating, those commentary people are just like, oh, did you see that? That was awful. And it's like, I didn't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> everything was better back in the old days, I guess. I don't know. This is true. So... Uh, I suppose, like, is there anything you want to plug to our thousands of listeners? <laughs> Does, uh, Lasco or? No, it's all right, man. I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in a lot of stuff right now, so it's just like, you know, I'm just living my life and being a theater artist, so I'm happy with that. 
And it's not my job to promote plays unless I get paid to do it. So I don't think <laughs> the check didn't come through. So. <laughs> I did get a $50 check from The Onion today, though, man. I'm going to spend that at Marshall's. <laughs> Why did The Onion give you a $50 check? Did they use a picture of you? No, man. This is uh, it's, it's actually online, a YouTube thing. Uh, it's... Uh, Basically, I was doing this men in hot car thinks babies and dogs are cowards. And uh, <laughs> I locked myself in this, this hot car on a hot day and, you know, sit there for three hours, basically, and just talk about what whims they are and stuff like that. It's on YouTube. <laughs> nice, I put, yeah. I, I put that on my reel and my agent was like, uh, that's that's black humor. It's really good. But uh, what if the producer has babies or likes dogs? And I was like, it's the onion. I mean, okay, I guess. She's like, yeah, I don't want to use your comedic reel. I was like, great. <laughs> that just happens to be my sense of humor, too. <laughs> I knew that was in my wheelhouse because two weeks later they called me for uh, – uh, they wanted me to spoof the ice bucket challenge. And I couldn't do it because I had to work, but – and also, I was like, for 50 bucks, really? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's funny. They do some fun stuff every once in a while, so it's fun to play those jerk yeah, is, characters. Is The Onion out of Chicago, then? Uh, no, it's uh, it's actually national. Um, <laughs> what's the one that I was on? Because they have a couple of divisions of it. Now, have you heard of The Onion? You'd love them, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I've actually I do remember seeing um the link to that story uh that you mentioned like the headline. I remember seeing the headline, but I guess I probably didn't click on it cuz I was working or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not that bad. But man, we we shot this thing with an iPhone. Like this is what trips me out about the technology today. It's like these 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 kids you know, they're doing this stuff, and it's like all this web content, and the cameras on the phones are so good now. I mean, all they did was they, they hooked up like a a SoundSync jack to it or something like that, and they mic'd it. And yep. then I was literally doing the clapper with my hands between scenes. So I was like, okay, man, in my car takes out. <laughs> He's like, thanks for doing that. That's going to help a lot later when we sync it up. I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. Well, yeah, it's uh, they don't I even don't think to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I know. just like they're whatever. Just like, we'll figure it out. We're gonna dub something over here. We'll make you funny. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just keep spritzing yourself with this water bottle. It's got bleach <laughs> in it, so your eyes hurt. <laughs> anyway, sweet. Well, uh, yeah, we should probably uh, wrap it up. Do you? Um, do you have a, a place where people can find you, like your Facebook or Twitter or something? Or Wow. Yeah, I got to get that done, don't I? <laughs> 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 I just want people to come looking for me, you know. That that way I know they want to be here when we get here. Good. So I, don't ha- I don't have a website. Uh, basically, if they want to contact my agent, uh, it's Vanessa Talent in Chicago, Illinois. That's cool. P-A-O-N-E-S-S-A. And uh, she's my lady. I've been with her for years now. I love her. My agent's so cool. 
Cool. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't made her a million dollars either. That's why I know she's cool. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's still with you. She hasn't thrown you off the bus yet. Yeah, I was just in there today. And I always say when I leave the office, I'm like, thanks for keeping me around, guys. And they're like, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, one more week. One more week. It's kind of a running joke now. I will... I'll put that in the show notes so that uh, people can hire you. That'd be great. I, I love being hired uh, <laughs> in, in between my closet gigs. But uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. This was fun. I didn't think I'd be here. I actually had like three excuses to like bow out. Like, oh, I'm going to walk the dog that I don't have. But, uh, <laughs> it was really nice. It was good catching up too. Man. Sweet. Um, I, uh, I guess I will. Who's our uh, who's just to let the audience know who's uh, who's our next guest, Paul? Uh, our next guest, uh, I have to get I have to get a one hundred percent confirmation from him, but I have oh, like okay. a ninety five percent confirmation from one uh, Mister Dan Benjamin of the Five by Five Podcast Network. Uh, he is going to come on the show. Uh, hopefully by that time he will have sent me the five by five audio soundboard uh, that he <laughs> has been using. I'll have that all jacked in. That will be the new soundboard for the show, uh, which will be amazing—a piece of podcast network history. And uh, I am really looking forward to to that. He's uh, he's a little bit of a hero of mine, so uh, having him on should be a ton of fun. Do you? Uh... Andy, do you have a question for Paul's hero? <laughs> oh, you were going to ask me. Oh, so what did, what's he do again? He does like sound effects and things? Yeah, he, uh, he has a network of podcasts, um, not unlike this one, only possibly a little bit more professionally produced uh, <laughs> and with people who are maybe a little bit better known than Chris and I uh, who and- talk about technology and all kinds of stuff. And they make money doing podcasts. And they actually make, yes, they have sponsors <laughs> and actually make money doing podcasts. <laughs> All right. So I guess my question is, is uh, uh, what does he enjoy uh, that keeps him doing what he's doing? What's the one thing that he really enjoys that keeps him doing it every day or keeps him excited about it? That is cool. a fantastic question. We will ask him that. Awesome. I'll tune in and listen because if you don't, I'm calling. <laughs> I will. I'm going to... I'm going to spam you guys. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me guys. Awesome. Enjoy your evening. All right. You too. Take care. We'll see ya. Bye. 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 Cool. Well, uh, I suppose we, we should, uh, I didn't do the sign off uh, for me. Um, that's very important because, uh, you want to be able to find me because you're listening to me. Exactly. Say me once more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I am, uh, you can find me at uh, sickdays.com where I probably haven't blogged in a month and, uh, <laughs> or on Twitter. You're so busy at, producing podcasts now. So this is kind of the truth. Uh, to be honest, the fun time has been taken with podcasting. So that's sad that my calendar is split up between work time and fun time and have to pencil <laughs> things into those. Um, Anyway, so yeah, or you can find me on the Twitter, and that is S I K K D A Y S. I don't know who at Sick Days is, but I don't think they tweet as much as me.
<laughs> Probably not. No. Uh, you can find me as well on Twitter. Uh, I am uh, Paul D, P-A-U-L-D, on Twitter. Uh, you can tell I've been there for a while because I have a five-letter uh, Twitter handle. I was able to sneak one of those in there before they were all gone. Um, or you can go to my uh, website, pauld.sexy. I knew that was coming. <laughs> or padizio.com, which actually has real useful links to my uh, <laughs> to more <laughs> stuff that I do. Uh, but pauld.sexy has a uh, excellent picture of me. Uh, taken at a wedding a few years ago, I think. You can tell it was a few years ago because my face is a lot thinner than it is now. <laughs> wow, I I would have never said that to your face or over the microphone. <laughs> or thought it. I just admitted it. Phew. Of course, my face probably looks fatter because of the beard. Oh, right, yeah. The- the one, the one on, the one on there. I am, I am clean shaven, Paul D. So if you, if you've only met me in the last few years, that's your opportunity to see clean shaven Paul D. Is Paul D. sexy? Excellent, cool, and uh, yeah. All right. I was gonna say something to that effect, but I won't. <laughs> I was just gonna say like that's our new ploy to get more um, guests on the show is to say television adds twenty pounds and could be more nowadays with HD and four K. But um, podcasting, <laughs> you actually lose twenty pounds. So please join us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's the talking in the hot room. Right. Exactly. Okay, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, hopefully in two weeks we will be talking to Dan Benjamin. And in a week, next Thursday, we should be doing the Film From podcast and talking about a movie called The Thing with Two Heads with um, another person from Chicago, actually, and a marketing or advertising executive. So tune in then. Beautiful. Thanks again for playing the home game. Yeah. We'll see you next week.